Hi there, I'm so glad you're here. If you've never tuned in before, this is Vision Eternity Ministries, and my name is Lee Klein. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about having a vision for eternity. We've been talking about how sad Jesus is because we're not ready. We think we're ready, but we're not ready. He's coming again. Just like in the day of Noah, suddenly he's going to be here. And if it's not like that for you, then you're going to leave here. You're going to leave your body and you're going to meet up with him that way. If you leave before he gets here. And today we're going to talk about how it's going to be as in compared to in the day of Noah. Let's acknowledge Jesus. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you are our source. You are a source of information. You are the one that gives us knowing revelation knowledge, and you're the one that's telling us things to come. You don't want what is to come to be a mystery to us. You want us to know exactly what's going to happen. And so we thank you and praise you for showing us today some of those things. We thank you that you care, that your mind is on your children, that your mind is on us all the time. That your mind is on us all the time. And Father, that your mind is on your children. We love you and praise you. We give you all the glory. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. I just want to say it again. We give you all the glory. We honor you. In your name. You know, he is the boss. Just like when you were little, your mom and dad, they were the boss, right? When you go to school, your teacher is the boss. God is the boss. He is in charge of what's going to happen and what's not going to happen. He's the one we have to answer to. You know, I was thinking earlier before, when I was thinking about my message today, it's not like, you know, you can just put God away out of sight, out of mind. Like if you have some cookies or something bothering you, and you don't want to eat them, you just put them away, or you don't buy them, just so that they're not there for you to look at. And I think some people have that concept of God, well, if I don't hear about it, if I don't look at it, look at him, if I don't open my Bible, if I don't go to church, um, I'm not going to hear about him, and then I don't have to deal with it. But one day you're going to have to deal with it, just like in the day of Noah. Just like those people who disregarded what he said, we're going to all stand before our Father, and we are going to be held accountable for what we did here on the earth. I want to read to you and the Amplified Bible. I usually read out of the Amplified Classic Bible, but today I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible, starting in Genesis 6. Now it happened when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful and desirable, and took wives for themselves, whomever they chose and desired. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive and remain with man forever, because he is indeed, because he is indeed flesh, sinful, corrupt, given over to sensual appetites, nevertheless. His days shall be 120 years. Notice what I said. He's the boss. It's up to him. He decides. He decided the lifespan. 
There were Nephilim, which are hybrid fallen angels in those days um, on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God lived with the daughters of men and they gave birth to their children. And these were the mighty men who were of old, men of Rion, great reputation and fame. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and in, in that every imagination or intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The Lord regretted that he made mankind on the earth, and he was deeply grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy mankind when I have created and whom I have created from the surface of the earth. Not only man, but the animals and the crawling things and the birds of the air, because it deeply grieves me to see mankind's sin. And I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I want you to recognize how much this looks like today and um, how angry God was. He, he said he was grieved to see our sin. You know, he, as I mentioned, he's our boss. He's the father. And he has given us direction to live in his likeness. He made us in his likeness, and he's given us direction to live in his loving kindness, in his purity. And so what was happening on the earth grieved him, just like today. And he's coming, and the same thing's going to happen. Not a flood, but he's, he's, he's going to burn the earth. These are the records of the generation of family history of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, one who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in his evil generation. Noah walked, lived in habitual fellowship with God. Now Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth. But what I want to point out before we move on here is Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless. He had habitual fellowship with God. And that's an important key. And he was the only one that didn't drown in the flood. Noah had a relationship with God. And that's your key, to know God, to have that relationship with him, causes you to be right with him. Yes, Jesus gave his life, and if you believe in him, then you're going to have everlasting life. And if you believe in him, you're going to be like Noah. You're going to be in fellowship with him, and you're going to know him. The population of the earth was corrupt, absolutely depraved, spiritually and morally putrid in God's sight. And the land was filled with violence, desecration, infringement, outrage, assault, and lust for power. God looked on the earth and saw how debased and degenerate it was for all humanity and corrupted their way on the earth and lost their true direction. God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of all that lives. For through man the land is filled with violence, and behold, I am about to destroy them together with the land. Now God is warning us that he is about to start over again. Keep that in mind. See his anger. See what he's thinking, what he's feeling. Feel the outrage he has. Think of when your children betray you. 
when they know what's so important to you and they betray you anyway. Think of that. Think of your heart rate going up. God has emotions. He is grieved at what is happening on the earth. Keep in mind that as we read this. So he said to Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make it in rooms, stalls, pens, coops, nests, cages, compartments, and coat it on the inside with pitch. You know, he's giving him exact direction. He's hearing what God is saying to him. He's giving it exact direction, giving him exact direction to exactly how to build the ark, how big. You're listening to him today. He's going to give you exact directions. So then after he told him how to make the ark and how big it was and the second and the third deck, for behold, I, even I, will bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy all under the heavens in which there is breath and spirit of life. Everything that is on the land shall die. But I will establish my covenant, solemn promise, formal agreement with you. And you shall come into the ark, you and your three sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing found on the land, you shall bring two of every kind to the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of fowls and birds according to their kind, of animals according to their kind, of every crawling thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every kind shall come to you and, and come to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every kind of food that is edible. And you shall collect and store it, and it shall be food for you and for them. So Noah did this according to all that God commanded him. That is what he did. That was chapter 6. Chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you with your household. For you alone I have seen righteous, doing what is right before me in this generation. Of every clean animal you should take with you seven pair male and female, and of the animals that are not clean, two of each of the male and female, also the birds of the air, the seven pair, the male and the female, cares about the animals, right? He knows every animal. He said they would come to him. Then he said in seven days, or in seven days, I'm going to cause it to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy, blot out, wipe out every living thing that I have made from the surface of the earth. So Noah did all that God commanded him. He's going to blot out life again. It, he, he's, he's disturbed. He's grieved. He's hurting. He's angry. He's frustrated that we haven't taken the time, as Noah did, to get to know him. Just thinking that day of all the people there, it was Noah. Just Noah. He was the only one who honored God. He made that ark. It never even rained from the sky before. It didn't. That was the first time. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of the water came on the earth, covering all the land. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and sons' wives entered the ark to escape the flood of the waters. Jesus is going to take us out of the earth, those who believe, those of us who are like Noah, and save us. From the disaster that is going to hit the earth. 
um, of clean animals and animals that are not clean and birds and fowls and everything that crawls on the ground. They came motivated by God into the ark two by two, the male and the female, just as God commanded Noah. And after seven days, God released the rain and the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600 year of Noah's life, on the seventh day of the second month, on the same day of the fountains of the great deep, burst open and the windows and the floodgates of the heaven were opened. It rained on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of the sons with them entered the ark. They and every animal according to its kind, all the livestock according to their kinds, every moving thing that crawls on the earth according to its kind, every bird according to its kind, every winged thing of every sort, So they went into the ark with Noah, two by two, all living beings in which there is breath and spirit of life. Those which entered male and female, all of flesh creatures entered as God had commanded Noah, and the Lord closed the door behind him. The flood, the great downpour of rain, was for forty days and nights in the earth, and the waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it floated high above the land. The waters became mighty and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the waters. The waters prevailed so greatly and were so mighty and overwhelming on the earth. So all the high mountains everywhere under the waters were covered. In fact, the waters became 50 cubits higher than the highest ground. And the mountains were covered. All the living beings that moved on the earth perished. That's scary. Birds and cattle, domestic animals, wild animals. All the things that swarm and crawled on the earth, and all mankind, everything on the dry land, all those nostrils was the breath of spirit of life died. God destroyed, blotted out, wiped away every living thing that was on the surface of the earth. Man and animals and the crawling things of the birds of the heavens were destroyed from the land. Only Noah and those who were with him on the ark remained alive. The waters covered all the earth. 150 days for five months. A couple things I, I want to point out is all the things that God made that were so important to him, all the animals, his people, the earth, all the things that he created because he wanted us, he, all the things he created for us. We talked about, you know, when you have a baby, you, you get a room ready, you get their clothes ready, you prepare for them. All, all that he prepared for us, he killed it to start over. And it says that for five months, the water covered the earth. So for five months, God didn't do anything. He showed me during those five months. He was grieving. He was hurt. It hurt him. What he had to do. But he had to do it. He had to do it. And he has to do it again. And he showed me before he even, before it's even happening, how sad he is. How sad about what he has to do. And he knows those who don't choose him, don't honor him. It just go ahead and do what he said not to do anyway, thinking they're going to get away with it. Putting those cookies in the cabinet or even in the garbage so you don't see them, 
makes them go away, but you can't make God go away. You can't change what he said. He's your father. He calls the shots. And one way or another, you're going to bow down to him. Whether you choose to do it now or when Jesus comes back, you have to face the consequences of being thrown out into the outer, outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing teeth because you didn't choose God. You chose a God before him. Whatever you decided to believe is your God. And you dishonored what he said. You did what you wanted to do. And so that will be how things will turn out for you. But know that God is already grieving for what he's about to do. Chapter 8. And God remembered and thought kindly of Noah and every little thing. I want to read this actually in the Amplified Classic Bible because it says says it a little differently. It shows it a little more emotion. And God earnestly remembered Noah and every living thing. This is after five months. God earnestly remembered Noah and every living thing that all the animals were with him on the ark. And God made a wind blow over the land and the waters sank down and abated. And the fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. And the gushing rain from the sky was checked and the waters receded from the land at the end of 150 days. The waters had diminished. On the seventh day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat, and the waters continued to diminish until the tenth month. On the first day of the tenth month, the tops of the high hills were seen. At the end of forty days, Noah opened a window of the ark, which he made, and he sent a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters dried up on the land. So a flood isn't coming, but he is going to start over. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And if you honor your father, if you take what's important to him and apply it to your life, if you know him, you can be saved from that disaster that's going to come. I want to read to you Second Peter to um, just reiterate how he's feeling. The Lord does not delay and he's not tardy or slow about what he promises. He's talking about coming. You know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, he's coming, but he hasn't been here yet. The reason he's in, he hasn't been here yet is because it isn't his will that one should perish, because he loves you. Thank God he hasn't come yet, because so many more people will perish. And the word says we perish for lack of knowledge. He wants you to know. He doesn't want to be a mystery. He wants to tell you the truth. Right here, right now, today, I'm telling you the truth. You can just do a 180 if you're not living your life for him and change it right now. Just change it around. Put down your pride. Get on your knees and call out to him. He's hurting over the choice you're making. He loves you. He loves you. You know, I was just thinking, maybe it's like when you have a child and they take their life. How does that make you feel? You know, if you don't choose him, you're taking your life. You're choosing hell over him. You're choosing the enemy 
over him. The things that you're doing now, the choices you're making now, are temporary choices if they're not God. Only if it's God is it an eternal choice. I finish reading this. The Lord does not delay, he's not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness, but he's long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but all should turn to repentance. The day of the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will vanish and pass away. It was like a thief for those who weren't on the ark. All of a sudden it started pouring from the sky down. They've never seen that before. They started drowning because of the choices they made, because they didn't choose God. Maybe you're thinking, well, that isn't fair. It is fair. He's giving you every opportunity. It took Noah a hundred years, as, as I recall, to make that ark. God was, God was going to flood the earth. They didn't believe him. I'm telling you, he's going to come and the earth is going to burn. And many of you don't believe me. Others have told you and you don't believe them. You think that we're living this fairy tale life when really you're living the fairy tale life because you can't believe the truth of what's going to happen. Jesus is telling us things to come before they happen. So you have every opportunity to get on that ark, to get on the boat, to get ready to be raptured out. Jesus is going to come and he's going to take those safely out of the earth before it burns. So where did I leave off? Um, I'll just start here again. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and when the heavens will vanish away and pass away uh, with a thunderous crash, and the material elements of the universe will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. It's going to happen. Suddenly, as it started pouring out, Jesus is going to come, and suddenly your time will be up. Suddenly, you can't do anything about the choices you made. Since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved, what kind of person ought each of you be in the meanwhile in consecrated, holy behavior and devout and godly qualities? While you earnestly, verse 12, long for and expect the coming of the day of the Lord, by reason of which the flaming heavens will be dissolved, and the material elements of the universe flare and melt with fire. What kind of person should you be? Get to know God. Get to know him quickly. Honor him. Honor his purity, his goodness, his kindness, his compassion. But we look for the new heavens and a new earth, according to his promise, in which righteousness, uprightness, freedom from sin, right standing with God is to abide. So, beloved, since you are expecting these things, be eager and found by him at his coming without spot or blemish and at, and at peace and serene confidence, free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. And that can only come from knowing him, from spending time with him, from hanging out with him. You can't know him unless you talk to him. You can't know him if he doesn't talk to you. And so many are in the stage of um, thinking it's crazy that you can talk to Jesus. But he said he's knocking on the door of your heart, Revelation 3.20, and if you invite him, 
he'll come and live on the inside of you. And of course, you're going to hear him. He said, if you heed my voice. So that means you can hear his voice. My sheep know my voice, he said in John 10. It's normal to hear his voice. We have the mind of Christ. Take captive every thought and be in agreement with him. And so when he comes, we are going to be without spot or wrinkle, not because of what we can do, but what he does in us as we obey him. So Jesus said he's knocking on the door of your heart, and if you heed his voice, he'll come and live on the inside of you. He said in verse 19 that he would correct you. He would correct you. When he corrects you, he's telling you the truth. Just like when you correct your children, you're telling them, no, that's not going to work. That's going to lead to here. You don't want to do that. It's wrong. When we were reading in the beginning of Genesis, and God was talking about how people were having relations with fallen angels and how that disgusted him, and also talking about picking any woman they they desired. God has a plan for your life. And you need to pray for that right person to marry. And it should be a love relationship, not just because of what you can see with your eyes, because then it will truly end. It should be a love relationship that God has divinely ordered. And so just disregard what he thinks, what he said. And so that day that he comes, as I said in the beginning, he calls the shots. There's nothing you can do to change it. Right now it's a time of grace, and you can get it together by just letting him correct you. In verse 19 of Revelation, he said that he dearly and tenderly loves those who he corrects, and we should earnestly long for him to correct us because that correction is going to bring us in right standing with him. If we're not corrected, we're not going to know right from wrong. If you don't teach your children right from wrong, they're not going to know it. They're not going to know it. He's teaching us. He's preparing us. He's getting us ready for his return, for what's about to happen. Ask him to come and live on the inside of you today. Change your way. Go ahead and make it a new life. Start over. Forget about yourself and love. He thinks about you every day. Do you ever love someone and they never loved you back? You just love them, you do anything for them, and they just kept ignoring you, and you know, you just weren't good enough for them. Is that what you're doing? Are you saying, no, Jesus, you're not good enough for me? Have you even given him a chance to let him know, to let you know who he is? Give him a chance. Get on your knees and pray this with me. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you said you're already knocking on the door of our heart. We're asking you to come on in. We commit to your ways. We thank you that you would teach us your way. Correct us. We earnestly long for your correction. We are committed to you. We want to be your bride without spot or wrinkle, and we know we can't do that without you. So come, live on the inside of us. Be our God. Be our God. Show us who you are. Prepare us. We love you and praise you and give you all the glory.
You know, we just read, uh, I'm supposed to read something to you, but we just read how, um, how God's anger showed up that day, and it's going to happen again. And meanwhile, this is going to save you, Revelation 3.19, by letting God correct you. I want to just read it to you so you can have a clear understanding. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults and convict and convince and reprove and chasten. I discipline and instruct them. So be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent, changing your mind and attitude. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and listens to me, heeds my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him. I will eat with him and he with me. He's wanting to be there for you, to do for you, to prepare you for what is about to happen. Get on your knees and let him. Look at the word. He is his word. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word is God. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you.